Hey friends, this is Boss Barista. I'm Ashley Rodriguez. I am holding in my hand issue three of Coffee People Zine, and I am also here with the founder of Coffee People Zine, Kat Melheim. Hello. How are you? I am doing great. How are you doing today? I am fantastic, and I'm also really impressed. Uh, Kat sent me an issue three, which I just mentioned, and I can't believe that this is the magazine that you started last year, and I also can't believe that this is issue three compared to issue one. I know. I'm so glad it arrived in time. I was a little nervous with the uh, with the shipping, but uh, yeah, issue three, it's like crazy that... Uh, that the third issue is already out. Um, so f- for people who don't know who you are or what Coffee People is, can you explain those two things? Sure, sure. So I am Kat Malheim, uh, creator of Coffee People Zine, uh, which is a quarterly um, zine, which is kind of just fancy abbreviation for like an independently published magazine. Um, so it's... It's an art-based publication um, surrounded or, I guess, created around and for the coffee community. It's based on submissions. So people send me their art, photography, poetry, short stories, uh, articles that they that they write. Um, and I put them together in some pages and make it into a thing. <laughs> I think you're vastly underestimating your role in this. Um, it's a beautiful publication. Um, it's bound. It's not like stapled or anything together. Like I think you expect some zines to be, and it's also in color and it's just like, it feels like just anything that you can buy and like, like off the shelf of any major publication. And I'm impressed that you made this. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. I'm I'm continually like I look at it and I'm like how did that how did that come to be? Um but yeah, it's uh so the first issue and the second issue like you said they uh have come a long way to this third one. So the first and the second were stapled. Uh they were still full color um because so yeah, you kind of mentioned that the when you think of a zine you think of something a little bit more thrown together, usually black and white, usually stapled and hand, you know, hand assembled, um, which is something that I actually like s- uh, struggled with in the beginning of how can I stay true to a zine, but also stay true to the art that's inside of this thing. Um, I decided early on to make it full color because a lot of the art that people send me is full color, uh, especially photography. And I didn't want, I didn't want to, I don't know, mar other people's creativity or change their submissions um, in order to fit within the pages of the zine. Uh, so yeah, early on I decided let's go full color to show people's artwork in its true glory. Um, and then this last issue, I decided to get it perfect bound. So, um, the spine looks like a book or a magazine, um, because I got to a page count that staples won't really hold. So that was, that was more a function of, uh, 
of like the zine is too big for staples. Um, but I also think, yeah, it makes it look a lot more uh, professional, a lot more presentable. And again, you know, my my end goal is to have people who submit their art be proud to be part of the zine. So I think that having it be bound kind of, uh, it contributes to to that feeling of it being like, oh, this is a real <laughs> publication. Yeah, I, th- I think it... You know, the points that you did the first couple of issues, too, they did feel very real. But I totally see what you're saying in that this feels like a really beautiful, like, homage to the things that you'll find inside. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really that's really what I want um, for people who are in it to be proud of it, for people who pick it up to be like, oh, wow, what's this? Uh, And to want to engage with the pages that are inside of it. So can you tell us a little bit about what? is inside each magazine. What are your criteria that you look at? Oh man. Um, so all issues one through three, everything that I received as a submission, I put inside the zine, which is why it went from 44 pages in the first one to 92 pages in this last one. Um, so it's all, uh, it's like I said, centered around the coffee community. So if you work in coffee, um, you can submit pretty much anything that you deem as art. I haven't done any um, editing or changing um, of the submissions in order to make them fit any specific box. Um, I kind of, I take the, the perspective of if you have created it, then it's art. Um, I'm not here to judge like, oh, that poem isn't good enough or, oh, that photo isn't beautiful enough or whatever. Um, I'm here to showcase what people want shown, I guess. Um, so yeah, people send me just kind of whatever they've, they've created. A lot of it is uh, photography, poetry, doodles, drawings, art. Um, yeah. Oh, and uh, the submission. So I have basically two rules for submissions. Um, Number one, if you work in coffee, if you're part of the coffee community, then your submission does not have to be about coffee. Uh, But rule number two, if you do not work in coffee, then you can still submit, but your submission has to be about coffee or coffee shops um, or the world of coffee in some way, just to keep it, you know, with the same theme of coffee people. There's so much written about coffee and there are a lot of outlets for writing about coffee. Mm-hmm. You know, I, wor- I obviously work for one. Yeah, totally. And I think something that you did that I don't think is kind of properly acknowledged is that you really served a need that wasn't being met, I think. Yeah, I've, I've heard that uh, multiple times, which is interesting that other people picked up on it before, before I did, um, kind of at least in, uh, in that clearly articulated way. Um, cause yeah, like you said, you work for barista magazine. I love barista magazine. Um, but I know that anything that I wrote probably m- might not get in there. Um, cause I, you know, don't have journalistic background or it wouldn't be like a, it wouldn't be an article that has like checks and information and, uh, you know, stuff that can be verified facts. Um, I have 
whatever I write is a little bit more like creative and not to say that Barista Magazine doesn't showcase creativity. Um, but yeah, I guess I, I wanted to create a place where people who were writing maybe not as academic articles had a place to put stuff, I guess. No, and you've, you've done that. You've done that really beautifully in a thing that I think people are going to feel really proud to show their friends. Um, so let's go backwards a little bit. Let's talk about why you started this magazine and how you came up with the idea to do such an amazing project. Yeah. Um, so the initial idea came about last September, 2017. Um, I was good friends with Breezy Sanchez, still am. Uh, Hi, Breezy. And, um, she had an art opening, like an art show at uh, a coffee shop here in Denver. And she invited me to it. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'll come. Um, so I went to that art opening and I was just absolutely blown away by the level of her creativity, her execution. Um, and it got me to thinking like, you know, here's my friend who I know from the coffee community, but I didn't know. I mean, I knew that she did art, but I didn't know that she was like so freaking talented and did art at such a, a high level. Um, so I had kind of two thoughts off of that. One was, you know, everyone else in Denver should see this. And number two, you know, who else that I know from coffee in the coffee community does art stuff or creative, like creative, um, projects that I also don't know about. You know, I go to throwdowns, I go to other coffee events and I talk to people about coffee all the time, but I don't talk to them about the other things that they do and the things that, you know, get them jazzed outside of the cafe. Um, so I really, you know, it's like I spend so much time with these people, but I don't really know who they are outside of, brew methods and, and latte art. Um, so yeah, so that was in September of 2017 and it kind of just got the wheels turning. Um, I brought, and yeah, I just had this idea like, okay, how, like, what can I do? How can I display stuff? Um, and I thought about potentially doing like an online blog, um, or a podcast. Uh, but it, it kind of occurred to me that in our digital age, there's so much that's online and not as much that's tangible, physical, uh, that you can interact with in the real world. So I decided that I wanted to make something that people could touch and feel and page through. Um, so that was the idea for that. I, I kind of finalized that idea around January of uh, this year, 2018 brought the idea to a group of awesome uh, coffee friends, coffee ladies here in Denver, uh, and was just like, hey, I have this idea. I don't know. And everybody was like, that sounds fantastic. You should definitely do it. So I started in January uh, just asking around um, to people that I know, mostly here in the Denver community, because that's, you know, people that I know, people I have direct access to, um, just asking them for, hey, do you want to write a poem for this thing? Hey, do you want to give me a a, a photo for this thing? Uh, and then assembled issue one um, by March. Um, so I had like kind of three months from when the true idea set in to the to then the, the release of the first one. 
um, which yeah, was mostly submissions by folks here in Denver. And it was, it was a hit. Everybody loved it. Uh, we had a release party, each issue that I've come out with, we've also had a release party to celebrate the zine, to get together in a, in a coffee event that isn't just about latte art or brew methods or whatever. So, yeah. And these magazines are all created by you, right? Like there's, I mean, you obviously get people submitting beautiful artwork and beautiful pieces, but you're the one that's putting everything together. Yeah, I would. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so, tell, so walk me through that. Cause that's no small feat. That's not just like wham, bam, slap these things together. Like this requires a lot of work. It does. It does. It takes a lot of work and a lot of time. Um, it's super fun though. Um, so yeah, I guess each issue starts pretty much with just open submissions. I'm always taking submissions. Uh, my email address is cat, K-A-T, at coffeepeople.org. Uh, and so, hello out there. If you want to submit stuff, send it to me there. Um, but yeah, I am always accepting submissions. Um, when people send stuff in, I basically just write back and say, hey, thanks so much. Um, you know, I'll get in contact with you closer to the to the date or if I, if I ask follow-up questions if I um, want to put a little bit more information about the submission in the zine. Uh, but I have the like Adobe Photoshop InDesign Illustrator uh, suite. So I just start, I pretty much start with, you know, 92 blank pages. Um, and as submissions come in, I kind of, I just put them in um, and arrange them. I kind of do all of the arranging at the very end. Um, but yeah, I get all the submissions in, I put them in, kind of no particular order uh, at the beginning. There are a couple of recurring articles that I uh, do myself or that I have friends um, I ask, you know, hey, can you go interview this person or uh, whatever. Each issue has a, a barista feature. Each issue has an article about um, a an organization or nonprofit um, that some of the proceeds of zine sales go to. Uh, but in each issue, I like to do a little article about that, uh, organization. So folks kind of know a little bit more what they are. Um, we have a couple of like shop features, uh, different shops over the, over, over the issues have, um, sponsored the zine. So we do a little expo on them. Um, what else do we have? Each issue so far has had an unscientific study of some sort of coffee demographic. <laughs> That's mostly me just like asking about demographic information about competitors at different coffee competitions and um, breaking that down a little bit. What else? There's an uh, it's it's called an unscientific study of the 2018 U.S. Coffee Champs competitor demographic. I'm on the page right now. It's at the very back of the zine. And you have like these stats, yeah, which is amazing, um, of baristas, brewers, what their education levels are, what gender, what like, how do they, um, how do they self-identify, um, which is amazing. Yeah, that was, so that's actually the, um, the, this is kind of a continuation of 
the article that I alluded to earlier that I was like, hmm, I'd like to write this thing for Barista Magazine, but I know it wouldn't be, <laughs> I like, I wouldn't have the capacity to like actually make it truly scientific. Um, so yeah, I sent out kind of a survey to a bunch of people who competed in the U.S. coffee champs and asked about their age, their education level, their gender, their sexuality. I asked a couple of other questions as well that didn't make it into the the unscientific study that I published. Um, but yeah, I was just interested to know from barista brewers and roasters, you know, who are the people who are competing? What are their ages, educations, genders, and sexualities? And how do they compare kind of with one another across the different competition um, brackets? I think another but. thing that's really interesting about the magazine too is I'm at the I'm at the very back right now and there's a part where you have like Huckleberry Roasters answering questions like you would in an Instagram story and uh-huh. I think like what you also do really well with this magazine is incorporate you've you've made a physical thing but you've also incorporated how we communicate currently. Totally. Yeah, and that Huckleberry uh article the page um that was actually directed by um, Cohen uh, Gedman, who owns Huckleberry. Um, He was the one who, uh, he said like, hey, Huckleberry really wants to support the zine. How can we support it? Um, And so then for their support, I gave them, you know, two pages in here. And uh, Cohen was like, you know, what would be really cool is if we actually did a, you know, Instagram, ask me anything, uh, and then published the the answers in the zine. So these are actually questions that they got asked on their Instagram uh, and their answers. So that was super fun. I want to go back a little bit because you uh, shouted out Breezy Sanchez, who is amazing. And then you said, hi, Breezy. And I can only hope that Breezy is listening. Um, (laughs) Number one. Um, Number two, um, as you continue doing the magazine, how do you see yourself making artistic decisions? Because eventually at some point you're probably going to have to curate a voice or an idea. And I wonder if that's something that you've thought about. Oh yeah. That's something I've thought about. (laughs) Uh, I haven't really arrived at many, like many answers yet. Um, Yeah. That's definitely something that's on my mind because as I said, you know, issues one, two, and three have every single submission that I received. I don't think issue four will be able to fit all of the submissions that I receive um, just because, you know, more people are hearing about it, especially I've had a couple of articles on Barista Magazine. Thank you very much, by the way. Um, And I was on Cat and Cloud podcast, now Boss Barista podcast, um, and Sprudge did a little article. So anyway, all that to say a lot of people, a lot more people are hearing about it and a lot more people are sending me their artwork, which is fantastic. Um, but yeah, I'm going to have to start making cuts, uh, cause it can't just keep getting bigger and bigger, uh, more pages at least each time. Um, we'll just see like issue four being like a binder that you buy, <laughs> like at a target or something <laughs> yeah. that's just like full of everyone's stuff. Yeah. Um, issue four volumes one through 12. Exactly. Like you'll be getting each of your issues like every other day. Like right. would, that would be, <laughs> that would be really, um, really ridiculous, but really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wonder like when you get all these submissions, like, like how do you, 
going back to kind of like this idea that you really wanted to know more about people and the stories that they had and the things they did outside of coffee, like how, how is seeing someone's artwork or like seeing a thing they submitted, how does that make you like feel about that person? Or like, how do you, I don't know. I don't, it's, that's like kind of a complicated question, but I imagine that you, you must feel a lot of like kindred emotions to all the people that you've worked with. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so far I've gotten submissions from East coast, West coast, North to South. Uh, this last issue even has a submission from Canada and a submission from Chile, which is super, super fun. Um, yeah, I feel like strangely close to all the people who've submitted their work because it's also not just, it's not just stuff they've done. I mean, it's, artwork it's it's personal um and you know I don't take that lightly because I'm at least myself I'm pretty shy when it comes to like my own artwork um so the fact that all of these people have had the the boldness and the trust to give me the things that they've created is like (laughs) I'm continually aghast or like, I don't know if aghast is the right word, but I'm a, I'm continually just like thankful that people are putting that trust in me. Um, and it's been really cool actually. So there are a couple of, um, folks in Minnesota who have submitted to the zine and my parents live in Minnesota. So recently I went back, um, and, and was able to meet, uh, one of the people who has submitted to the last two zines. Um, and Ria, hello. I don't know if you're listening, uh, but it's on page, what is it? Page, let's see, page nine. Uh, Ria has a really cool little, um, like a, a an illustration of kind of like a pig man that has slime coming out his mouth. Um, and I love it. But uh, yeah, I was able to like go to Angry Catfish and be like, hey, you don't actually know me, but I've been emailing with you for six months and I really like your art. So thanks. <laughs> um, and a trip previous to that, um, I went to back to Minneapolis and I met Seth Young. Hi, Seth, if you're listening, um, who works at Dogwood in Minneapolis and um, again, kind of went in and was like, Hey, are you Seth? Nice to meet you. Um, so it's been really cool for me to occasionally actually meet people in person who I really only know from emailing them about, you know, with through the zine. Yeah, there is something really special about connecting with someone kind of beyond like an initial meeting, you know, like, oh, like I saw you at this throwdown, for example, and I kind of know you. Like, I think that you've, kind of found this really right. interesting way to connect with people yeah. yeah but also provide a way for them to connect with the larger coffee community too yeah and that's actually something i've been thinking about a lot in turn like as the zine grows because so with the first issue it was a lot of submissions from denver because that's where i know people and so it was really cool because i feel like the first zine and especially the parties that we throw each time it kind of brings together the Denver community that might not 
you know, not every, not all of the people who come to the zine parties are people who go to throwdowns or are people who feel comfortable in a super nerdy coffee space, but who feel more comfortable in an art space. Um, so yeah, it's something that I've been thinking about then in terms of as the zine grows, how do I stay true to that community aspect, stay true to, uh, the, the connection that I want it to give to people, uh, but also let it grow, let it be inclusive of people who aren't just in Denver, um, or Colorado. Cause it's kind of gotten to that point where, I don't know, this last zine, I don't know the exact proportions, but I would say it's probably half, half Denver, half other places, maybe even less, uh, Denver and more the wider U S and Canada and Chile. Um, yeah. And I don't know the true answer to that because, you know, in one respect, it does allow say me to go to Minneapolis and be like, Oh, here are two shops that I know in Minneapolis with people who are part of the coffee community and engaging in different ways with the community. Um, I think that's really cool because I love to travel. And so I would also hope that, you know, people who pick up the zine, if they, I don't know, are going on a trip, let me flip to a random page. Let's say somebody's going to, is it Denver? (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, I, fl- I flipped to Denver. Um, somebody's going to the Bronx and they like flip open a page and they're reading this thing by uh, Alexandra uh, um, Zapeta, who's a barista in the Bronx. She's also the creator of Caffeinated and Melanated. So everyone should follow that. Um, she's doing really cool stuff for folks of folks of color and marginalized groups. Um, but yeah, you know, like you can flip open the the zine and find a page. And if you're going to travel to that place, now you at least know a shop and potentially a person that, that you could connect with. You seem to have done something that is almost like akin to being a barista cheerleader in a way. Like, <laughs> not like to use, I mean, I the connotation of cheerleader is a little like off, but the idea that like you're an advocate, but in this like really positive manner for baristas everywhere, like you've shouted out like, like 10 different people already. Um, like how do you like, yeah. How do you situate yourself in the coffee community? Like, how do you, obviously you have this platform now, but like what, what, what inspired you about the community and where'd you kind of see your place in it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, definitely now I recognize that I have a platform and I have a, a, something that people are starting to listen to and are starting to really care about, um, which is a really powerful thing and something that I'm still haven't fully wrapped my head around. Um, but I, I mean, I got into coffee how many years ago? Six years ago now. Um, and for me, the community aspect of it was really what, what brought me in and what kept me, uh, in coffee. Um, 
just the, the friends that I made, the people, the connections that I had, um, that was all based on this drink that everybody seemed to super love and that was super complex and there's so much to learn. Um, and everybody who I was meeting in the coffee community was just super, super open and, you know, wanting to explore that drink together. Um, I just found that it was such a welcoming place that I guess with the zine, I want to, I want to increase that uh, aspect of welcoming because what I started realizing going to throwdowns and coffee competitions is that it's really welcoming and then it kind of starts getting exclusive and that's not fun. Um, you know, even, even in the Denver coffee community, there are some coffee shops that are kind of, I don't know, not necessarily, not necessarily seen as like third wave because some of them are more about the, the, fancy sugary drinks, which is fine because there are customers who need that. Um, but I just want to create a space where everybody who works in coffee is seen as equal and valid and, um, is affirmed in the things that they do, even if they aren't the best latte artist. Um, cause yeah, you know, go to latte art throwdowns and, you know, you walk in the building and you kind of you kind of know who's going to win, you know, you know, who's going to be in the top six or whatever. Um, but the person who got out in the first round, maybe they can't throw the best latte art, but they're, they could throw the best spoken word. Um, or, you know, the person who is there, who isn't competing, but who's taking pictures, maybe they're a really great photographer, but we don't take time to, to notice that, to recognize that and to affirm it. Um, so yeah, I wanted the zine to be an alternative platform, um, where the coffee community can connect over those non coffee things. I think that answer kind of touched on two really kind of huge things. Number one, and we've been talking about this, this entire episode is that there are things that people create, that speak to their personalities outside of coffee and also speak to the way that we can connect with others. But secondly, that you kind of have this platform that is almost like fighting against that include like that exclusiveness that sometimes can happen. Like I just, I wrote down that sentence. Like what I started realizing is that latte art competitions can be welcoming until they become exclusive. And like, that's something that I think, every barista has felt like going into a coffee competition, you don't know anybody. And you're like, why, why am I here? Look at all these people who do know each other and how are they ever going to know me? And mm-hmm. you kind of have this equalizer in the magazine. Yeah. I wanted to make sure that everybody is, everybody is heard for their strengths. Well, you've done a really beautiful job of it. Thank you. That means a lot to me. I, I, you know, I can, I can make something that I think is cool and that I think does, does their work justice. But if other people don't recognize that, it's kind of like, you know, I can, I can, I'll sit here with 10 boxes of zines and nobody else will see them. But so I'm glad to hear that you like it. 
I have two questions for you. Yeah. Number one, what does the future look like for coffee people? You, you have mm-hmm. some things that you've already done that kind of expand the ideas out. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this last issue, issue three, uh, for the party, instead of having just a zine release party, we had a film festival, which was super fun. Um, I asked, I, I kind of like with the zine, I just sent out a, a mass on social media, like, hey, if you are a coffee person who makes videos, send them to me, please. We're having a film festival, um, which I didn't know what I was doing when I got into that. It's kind of a recurring theme here with me too. Like I make a decision that I want to do something and then I'm like, oh, I don't actually know how to do that, (laughs) but we'll figure it out. Um, So yeah, for the third issue, we had a film festival where we displayed, I believe it was 17 films that were created by folks in the coffee community. Um, I mean, film being a loose, loose term for everything from, 35 seconds to one, uh, the last film that we showed was a 30 minute, uh, horror movie, um, which was really cool. Uh, so yeah, I'm trying to figure out for the future, how to integrate more types of art that coffee people create, because with the zine, I love the print medium and I love that you can hold it in your hand, but some people who work in coffee are creative in music. Some people are creative in video. Some people are creative in dance. Um, and I'm trying to figure out ways to expand the zine platform to include uh, more of those. So with the film festival, we were able to show a bunch of films. And this is actually really cool. Um, with the print zine, and I, th- I think you should have received it in the one that I sent you. Um, there's a like a two-page insert in the very beginning uh, that was the basically the playbill that we did from the film festival. And it has a bunch of QR codes in there. So you can use your phone and take a picture of those QR codes or um, scan them in. And you can watch the films that we actually watched at the film festival. Uh, so I'm super, super happy about that because then the films aren't just seen once when we watched them all together, but you can also watch them yourself. Um, Oh man, I know what I'm doing tonight. I'm going to watch the blue room. It's a surreal horror. Oh, it's, it's scary. So, I mean, I did watch all of the films before they went into the film festival, just because I wanted to make sure that they were all appropriate and whatever. Uh, But I am such a scaredy cat when it comes to horror films. And I watched that film all by myself in my basement (laughs) room. (laughs) Like it's, I mean, it's really well made. And I was just, oh my gosh, I was sitting here like covering my eyes, like shivering because it's so scary. But yeah, it's a fun one. The Blue Room. They're also, they're running a Kickstarter campaign. If anybody uh, really wants to contribute to them, just, you know, Google the Blue Room Kickstarter. How do you stay true to you? Oh, like my own very self? Yeah. Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, I feel like I just try and make every decision and take every step with integrity. Um, And to me, that means saying and doing 
along the same track. Um, you know, if I say, oh, I'm going to start a zine, I start it. If I say, oh, I'm going to hold, hold a film festival, I do it. Even if I don't exactly know how to, how the end result will happen. Um, just, just start by taking the first step. Um, yeah, I don't know. My, I kind of have said this multiple times and I'm actually like (laughs) through, through this chat, I'm like realizing how much of my background is kind of affecting this project, um, in terms of, so my formal education, like my undergraduate degree, uh, is in social work. And the reason I really loved social work was in order to pretty much affirm people and to make sure every person feels heard and seen and validated. Um, so I'm realizing more and more how much of those values are really fueling this project because that's really why I'm doing it is just, I think everyone deserves and, you know, just as, as a human right should be able to express who they are um, and to be able to be proud of that and to have other people see it and be like, yeah, that's rad. That was a really beautiful answer. Thank you. I'm kind of talking as I'm talking as I'm thinking. So, well, that's part of these conversations and why I like having them is you don't realize the things that you do sometimes, I think, until you talk them out and when people really ask you about them. Yeah, for sure. Did you buy an RV recently? <laughs> I did buy an RV recently. You saw that on Instagram. <laughs> uh, t- yeah. Tell us about that decision. Oh, sure. Well, um, I live in Denver and the housing prices, I mean, I'm sure just as in most other cities, housing prices are just crazy. And I realized that I don't want to keep putting money towards rent. Um, And also, I felt like so I, currently I'm living with um, a family with two like elementary school age kids and I love the family. They're fantastic, but it's also, you know, you can only live with a family until the kids get to kind of be old enough where it's time for me to move on. Um, and so I started thinking about, okay, where am I going to live? Uh, and housing prices are just crazy. So I was like, well, I can't afford to buy a home home but what if I moved into a mobile home? Uh, so I started thinking about that, started doing a little bit of research, um, looked on Craigslist, and this one 1988 uh, motorhome came available, and I bought it. I think what's funny about this, Kat and I were talking a little bit about it before we started recording, is that Kat mentioned like, oh, people spend years researching this, and maybe kind of oscillate between doing something like this. Cause this is a huge decision and cat, like you just kind of decided it and did it. Yeah, it was, I mean, I decided it, I did it. And then I was like, Oh no, should I have done more research first? Should I have been a little bit more like responsible? Um, but no, it's been super fun so far. I mean, I just bought it and started 
doing a little bit of demolition of the of the cab or the uh, home part of it because um, I bought so it's called a class C which means that it has like the you know truck cab part where you drive and then um, it has like an over cab bed and then the rest of the thing is like the home part of it um, but yeah I bought it and started taking it apart and I'm I want to pretty much rebuild it from from zero so that I make it pretty and I want it to be um, kind of halfway modern, halfway log cabin e. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm doing a lot of research right now at the same time as I'm demoing it. You're making it work. <laughs> yeah, and that's you know, like you said too, like we were talking about before. Same with thing with the, with the zine. Same thing with the film festival. I'm like, hmm, here's an idea. I'm gonna do it. And then I start doing it. And then I'm like, oh, here's a thing I didn't know. Let me figure out how to work around it. Oh, and here's another thing I didn't know. I guess I'll figure that out too. Um, but, you know, I don't know. That's kind of how it, it keeps life interesting. And it keeps, for me, one of the biggest drivers in my life is learning and continuous education. Um, so with the zine with the film festival with this rv i am learning a lot of new things uh, every day out of necessity pretty much i hope that people listen to this i hope everyone you shouted out listens to this first and foremost but i also hope that people listen to this and feel motivated that they can do kind of anything that they set their mind to totally yeah i think a lot of times in life, it's so easy to just to think about all of the reasons not to do something and to think of all of the drawbacks. I mean, and you have to weigh the pros and the cons, of course. But I think that too often we get stuck in the, oh, this won't work because, or, oh, that's not feasible, instead of just forging ahead and figuring it out as we go or forging ahead and realizing, oh yeah, that didn't work. Let me reroute and figure out something else that will work. Um, yeah. It's so much more fun to do. <laughs> Kat, where can people find you? Um, the Like me personally or the zine? Probably the zine first, but if people, however <laughs> you feel comfortable people reaching out to you. Yeah. Well, I'll be in my RV, so you can, you can come there. find me on yep. the road. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the zine is available online at on the website at www.coffeepeople.org and make sure that it's .org. Otherwise, if you do coffeepeople.com, you'll get routed to Keurig and K-Cups. No. And I'm assuming, I know. I'm assuming most of your listeners are not into that K-Cup life. Um, yeah, it's pretty unfortunate because, you know, they online, you can like purchase domains that are already owned, but like that one is, I don't know, a couple million dollars. Yeah. So. I've, I've done, when I was doing Boss Barista, when I bought the website, I got really lucky that bossbarista.com exists, uh-huh. but we tried like different iterations and we tried to do a more general one and we were astounded by the prices. Yeah, I know. So, so long story short, well, I guess long story long, it's a uh, coffeepeople.org. Uh, they're available online there. You can buy issues one through three, and you can also get a subscription um, to 
the coffee people zine so that uh, it'll just recharge your credit card um, and you'll get the new issue every time it comes out. Um, so yeah, folks, go go to coffeepeople.org and do that. Also, I will say um, if you use the like promo code, discount code Boss Barista, you can get 10% off your order. So, oh my gosh. I know. I thought that it would be fun to give your listeners a little a uh, little discount. Well, I appreciate you doing that for our listeners and I'm sure our listeners appreciate you and I'm you never know kind of where like a conversation will go with somebody and I really totally. love just getting to know you through the work that you do. So thank you for taking the time to talk to us and thank you for making a really beautiful publication. Thank you. I appreciate all your uh all your help with um, spreading the word. And I'm really super happy that you're enthusiastic about it and then you like it. Um, oh, I'll also say that there are some shops that where you can get the zine. Um, I have a list of them on the website again. Uh, and I'm, I'm in the process of trying to get more shops to carry the zine. So if anyone out there, if any of you listeners uh, run the merch at your shop, um, and you want to carry Coffee People Zine, then just email me, cat, again, K-A-T, at coffeepeople.org, and I will get you all set up. Um, so far, most people, most of the shops that carry it are here in Denver, but I'd love to get it um, in in other places so that more people can hear about it, so that I can get more submissions, so that more people can be involved. Kat, thanks again for being with us, and thanks for talking with us. Yeah, thanks, Ashley. Good to talk to you. Bye, everyone. Boss Barista was created by me, Ashley Rodriguez, and made in collaboration with Good Beer Hunting, which is an industry-leading brand studio, editorial platform, and podcast devoted to the many issues worth discussing around the things that we eat and drink. You can learn more at goodbeerhunting.com please check out their website. There are so many incredible articles that I find myself looking at constantly over and over looking for advice about how we can be better in the coffee industry. They're doing a great job and they're helping us make this podcast for you folks. So goodbeerhunting.com. Go ahead, check them out.